Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And college basketball's regular season and conference tournaments are done. The bracket is out. And Matt and I are here to pretend like we know what we're talking about. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's. Uh, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. It's the time of year where, you know, everybody becomes an expert on college basketball. And I'll admit, I'm one of them. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't pay nearly as close of attention as I used to back uh, throughout the season, but you know, mid February, I always uh, pick up and get into it and feel pretty comfortable saying a lot of things now that I probably shouldn't say. Yeah, well, I'm always comfortable saying things I shouldn't say in front of you, but usually well, it's filled that's with true. curse words and they're quotes from movies. That's right. That's right. Yes. Before we get too far into it, Matt and I uh, every year put out our bracket. Uh, challenge up on ESPN.com using Tournament Challenge. This year it's called Ben and Matt's Bracketology. The password is podcast. If you're listening, you know us. If you know us, you like us. If you want to play some free picks with us, please that's do right. so. Um, no one listens, but if they do, that's how you get it. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, our, our one loyal listener, he came in and beat us uh, on our bull picks, uh, Greg Powell, and so, you know, that's the that's the invitation I can give. Come beat us. Come prove that you're smarter than us. If if Greg beats us, I think we need to try to figure out a way to have him on to talk about it because he'll have beaten us sure. at both pickems. So, Greg, that's I true. know you're. That's true. I know you're listening because it's only the first ninety seconds of the podcast. So, it's it's incentive <laughs> for you out. to win. <laughs> right. You can right. turn it we off now. Talking about ASU, and that's when people generally tune out. I'm assuming. Yeah, we're done now talking about Greg, but uh, yeah, you, know, you all can turn it off, or maybe it's like when you listen to Marin's <laughs> podcast, you only listen to hear the beginning banter, and then you just kind of fade out if you don't like the interview. But right. uh, first, let's before we go into the bracket and our initial thoughts, and and we will come back tomorrow to do our pick by pick, which should be. Really fun to laugh at in three weeks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, before we get into our initial thoughts, let's sort of put a bow on the Sun Devils season. ASU did something they rarely do. They won a Pac-12 tournament game uh, in round one. They knocked off Stanford in overtime. Yeah. Despite their best efforts to give it away. Um, and then, Yeah, yeah. Uh, they weren't able to harness that magic. You know, when you're only playing uh, your starters 39 minutes a game all season, it's tough to play a back-to-back, so. It is, it is, yeah, and, and obviously, uh, you know, had we advanced, it would have gotten even tougher. You, know, you see teams do it, um, you know, I know Michigan and, and Duke, for example, just went, you know, four in four days, but uh, Duke, especially more talented and deeper than ASU and Michigan is as well, judging by their spots in the tournament, but uh, yeah, you know, it was... Um, it's tough to see the season end. Always is. Um, uh, I, I think. Um, I think we got what I was hoping for realistically out of this season, which was uh, some progress and some hope. Uh, maybe not as much progress on an individual level from certain guys, but as a program, I think you know better than last year. Um, and and time to take a bigger step forward next year than than what we did from last year to this year. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly you can point to the growth of the three returning guards. It's going to be tough without Graham and Aleka. Those guys were obviously core contributors. But you're not going to be able to replace the experience that you got um, for Evans, Justice, and Holder. 
I think right, I think right. Cody Justice is coming to his own as a defender, which I, I never thought I would say. Agreed, agreed. And even even defending out of position a lot of times, um, had to defend bigger guys, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, doing an okay job at it, uh, you know, with given his physical limitations in doing it. But um, and his shot is has really become a weapon, uh, uh, you know, between him and Graham this year. We had two guys who have felt like, you know, could heat up and make six threes in a game easily and you know we'll we'll lose graham but it'll be nice to have him back and the other two guards as well and um you know again a lot of experience now coming back as as veterans and and then you know a, a fair amount of new faces that you know some were here this year and couldn't play others that will be joining next year and and they'll be counted on to you know provide depth size two things that really hamstrung us here as far as you know being able to to be a, a real impact team. Going back to your point about Justice playing out of position, it, it's funny because he's labeled when he came in as a point guard and he's been playing mm-hmm. you know, shooting guard. So maybe it's because my expectations were lower, but I feel like he did what Kusix and Gilling could not do, which is be yeah. an outside shooter who could play defensively in the block, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of had to. Um, you know, they talked about it during the – Pac-12 tournament that you know when you're playing a lineup that basically is basically four guards Graham you could call him a small forward but he was really a guard too um you know somebody's gonna have to step up and and guard and it was a lot of times him um so yeah you know uh he he uh he's he's made a lot of progress over the three years and it's nice to have him back for one more year you know I wish we could have Graham and Oleka or you know one or both back but that's not the way it is they're done um tough because you know we only got three total years out of them being being transfers late in their career um but you know they they were very solid players and guys that you know again uh because the team around them wasn't good enough uh you know didn't didn't have the ability to leave a long lasting legacy but really good players who shouldn't shouldn't be ignored in in uh how they grew and how they improved over the course of their time here you would hope moving forward that Romello White, who was highly touted, can step into the Aleka role. Yeah, um, that you can get, you know, twelve minutes a game from Vila consistently, who I think mm-hmm. was a nice mm-hmm. find for Bobby Hurley. I think yes. we can all agree Agreed. that that was a pretty good late ad. Uh, yeah, and then this year, you know, you've got two guys who've already signed, a third who's committed, and Wooten. All of them are, you know, over six. Three, I think Remy Martin might be mm-hmm. might be exactly six three, but the other two are yeah. bigger wing players, and it'll be nice to maybe have a rotation that goes seven or eight deep game to game, yeah. as opposed to yeah. five deep. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and you know again some options as far as size, uh, as you mentioned with White, and then you know Andre Adams. Uh, it took him a while this year to, to be able to play, but he he showed a little little sign of hope. Um, and then, you know, we, I don't know what to expect with Jethro. He, you know, he's a guy we've talked about a lot over the course of the year and that, you know, at least he was, he was playing and that that experience would pay off. Now, you know, the suspension that lasted through the end of the season, um, not sure whether we expect him back and in one hole, um, but at least there's some options there. And you got, you know, Valley Chibble, who's a big guy. Ohio State transfer, who I honestly had forgotten about um, until a couple weeks ago. There was an article about him. Mickey Mitchell, I believe is his name. Um, not, a, not a real big guy, but a little bit of size. So, 
you know, as I mentioned these days, it's just nice to have some options, um, you know, and, and certainly more than we had this year in that spot. Yeah, I mean, basically, when you are confident that if you have a player get a little tired or get into foul trouble, you can turn over, you know, a second right. unit to someone else, it's just going right. to be a huge right. change of pace. It, it's funny because up to this point, we haven't had to see what Bobby Hurley would do with a deeper rotation. You know, we obviously figured out pretty quickly Herb Sendek's rotation would be 10 in the first non-conference yes. game, it'd be 8 in the second, and it would be down to <laughs> 7 or 6 by conference yeah. season. Yeah, very much, yeah. And and uh, and you're right, we haven't, we haven't unfortunately been able to, to see it. I was hoping a little bit more this year, but between the, the early departure of Cunliffe, the ineligibility of White, the injury to Shibble, you know, and that's, that's your... That's your recruiting class, and then Jethro. Um, I mean, those are the four guys that we we had coming out of, of signing day, and by the end of the year, none of the four were were you know active on the roster. Now, two at least will be back next year, hopefully three. So that's good. Um, I don't want to say the class is an empty class yet, but uh, that certainly contributes to the lack of depth, and it's that's those are mistakes. Quite honestly, can't keep happening if you're going to build a program. You, you can't have recruiting classes that, you know, by the end of the first year, nobody's playing. Um, that's, you know, those are things that, that has to be a one-year thing, and, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes on that department. Now, as we move forward, the Pac-12 looks like it's starting to trend back up a little bit. You had four teams mm-hmm. make the tournament. You had the three powerful, you know, top ten teams, Arizona, yeah. UCLA, Oregon who all were three seeds or better. Um, right. And then you have USC sneaking in in the final four in. Um, yeah. And, and a destiny in the play-in game against Providence in uh, Dayton on March 15th. But, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, you have to say USC is trending in the right direction. Washington... <laughs> Always has an elite recruiting class, as we've talked about. You know, it's tough to right. figure out where Romar is going to go with this team. And, you know, right. but if nothing else, they're going to have another talented guy come in this year. Oregon, yeah. Oregon looks like Altman's built them into a perennial contender. Arizona's Arizona and UCLA's UCLA. I mean, it, it's going to be tough to knock on the top five next season, but if ASU sure. can. You know, they should be right in the mix for a tournament spot. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think I think realistically, and you, you know, I mean, the the thing about college basketball now is it's hard to say what it's going to look like from year to year because rosters do turn over. I mean, and, you know, UCLA's got a good freshman class this year, but you know, Ball's going to be gone. We know that um, Arizona's going to lose. I'm I'm su- I'm sure Markin and probably a couple other guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> replace them with. It seems like those programs have kind of hit their stride. Certainly, Arizona has, and and UCLA, and you know, will I think bringing in another ball brother next year if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. So I think they have one uh, next maybe, year, and then uh, and Lamello's then two years two after years that, years right? Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so uh, you know, we'll see. I'm, I don't know if they'll get T.J. Leaf back or if he'll go pro um, after one year. He could, uh, but those programs are good, and Oregon has has you know kind of proven over the last few years they're they got staying power like that's it's not a it's not a fluke um so you know yeah those three look pretty good um but uh, you know i i think i would i would guess 
that the opportunity there to move up. Um, now, uh, you know, I'm sure other schools are thinking the same. I'm sure Stanford is thinking this. I'm sure Cal is thinking this. I'm, you know, hey, you know, the middle of the conference look kind of soft, and you know, let's find our way up there. And uh, but yeah, I think it is it is doable, and that's that's going to be the expectation for me next year is to to get into that top half and to be a tournament at least consideration type of team you know this this year was it was kind of a a year you could feel okay about because it was a gritty gutty type of team and they fought hard without much depth and and you know yeah it's all well and good that's not going to satisfy me next year um i'm okay with it this year considering some of the circumstances but you know a a gutty 15 wins next year is not going to not going to cut it as far as i'm concerned i agree well Let's pivot over to the bracket and talk about what to, uh, you know, what caught your eye. Now, we'll, we'll go with a more detailed set of picks tomorrow, so yeah. nothing we say today is binding. But That's right. You know, That's right. At, I, on ESPN right now, they just put up the top, uh, the top odds, top six odds. Duke, 5-1. to one, yeah. North Carolina, 6-1. to one, Kansas, Kentucky, and Villanova, all 8-1. to one, And Gonzaga, 10-1. to one. I think that that North Carolina bracket with UCLA and Kentucky in it, I don't like six to one for North Carolina. I think that all any of those three teams are legitimate Final Four teams. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I could talk myself into you know had they you know had you had you asked me before the field was announced, you know, pick your four teams. I I might have said all three of those teams. I, you know, there would have been a few others I would have thrown in there, uh, but. Yeah, those those three teams to me are all very very capable of making a run. Um, I say that, and and you know Kentucky has a potentially really tough second round game with Wichita State, who I think is vastly underrated. I, I I feel like they probably should have got five or six, um, maybe higher than that. Putting them as a ten, I, I think really, I, mean, I think they're a top twenty caliber team, and Kentucky now maybe has to play them in the second round. That's a tough draw for them. Yeah. Well, you know, so let's let's talk about the rest of the South. UCLA gets Kent State and then probably Cincinnati. Mm. They get the opening round games in Sacramento. I think that's a really good draw for them to make sure they get to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah, I think doable. I mean, Cincinnati's a, a solid team, but and, and this is this is a theme that I think I'm going to say a lot because in looking at as the field was announced, it feels like a team that peaked a while ago. And, and there's some other high-seeded teams that I feel like, you know, they, they're they not really playing as well as they were in January, early February. Um, Cincinnati was a team that, you know, not long ago was like, wow, this team's really, really, you know, on a run. And they kind of tailed at the end of the year. They didn't win uh, the conference either regular season or tournament. You know, ended up finishing second in both. Um, so, yeah, I think UCLA has a, has a pretty good path to the Sweet 16 and, and then probably plays Kentucky. But like I said, I think Wichita State, really dangerous there. Yeah, I mean, if it's not Kentucky, then I don't think that UCLA minds playing in Memphis. If it is Kentucky, true, true. that's not easy. True, agreed, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tougher draw. I mean, um, and, and, you know, one that gives me pause with UCLA is Steve Alford. I... I Never been that sold on him. He's had a highly seeded team before at Iowa uh, that did not. I think he had a three seed at Iowa that I believe lost in the first round. Um, 
he's kind of been better as a coach coming from off the radar, it seems like, than a team that's really expected to be real good. So I'm not too sold on him. Um, but I do, you know, I do love that team and the way they, the way they can score. I mean, the way they can have an off shooting night and still score 85 points is amazing to me. Yeah. Well, you talked about earlier teams that may have peaked a little early. The Orlando uh, opening round in the East includes Virginia and Florida. Those are both uh, teams yeah. that, for injury or for whatever happened to Virginia, peaked early. Yep. And 100%. They are two teams I was thinking of, yes. And now, I mean, those are not easy matchups. Wilmington and Virginia, and then Florida gets East Tennessee. Right, right. You know, there's always upsets in that 5-12, 4-13, 6-11 range. Sure. Is is there a more appealing upset in the first round than those two for you? Uh, um, I I would say Middle Tennessee and Minnesota is one that jumped out at me right when I saw it come up in state last year as a 15. Um, You know, I I always look for the teams that roll through their conference. Um, you know, they, that just, you know, it, it sells me more. Um, if you won your regular season and your tournament, they did. Um, and, and, you know, the big 10, I just don't think the big 10 was that good this year. Um, so Minnesota had a nice year, but that one to me jumped off, but Wilmington and Virginia did too. Um, because Virginia just, just struggles to score so much. Uh, and, and, you know, it just, you get into a game where if you can get up on them by eight points in the second half, you know, that might be enough to keep them at arm's length the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with you on the Big Ten seemingly being down. Purdue as a four seed. Yeah, you know, the highest Big Ten team, yeah. And you've got, I mean, the teams that made it to the Big Ten conference tournament, Wisconsin wound up being an eight seed, having to play Villanova in Buffalo. <laughs> If they, yeah. if they before, can get past Buzz Williams' Virginia Tech team. I was going to say, Vatek is a solid team that, that you know, beat, beat up Duke this year. I think I think they might have beaten Carolina, too. Um, but I know they crushed Duke. That was when Duke had some of the injuries and, uh, you know, a lot of the drama that was going on with them. But, um, yeah, they're they're a solid team. And, yeah, that's a, that's a tough, tough slot for Wisconsin. When I saw that pop up, I, you know, I kind of wondered if that meant some Big Ten teams were going to get left out. It didn't end up happening. But to see the you know the number two team in the Big Ten get an eight seed right off the bat, I thought, wow, does that does that bode you know poorly for Northwestern, Michigan State, some of the other teams? Uh, they all ended up getting in, uh, <laughs> and all wound up having to that. play in that eight nine game. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, they bunched a lot of them. You know, Michigan's a seven. Uh, the, you know, you can tell they they weren't super high on the Big Ten. Uh, you know, yeah. Like well, you only, got Wis- only one of the top sixteen was was a Big Ten team. So yeah, Wisconsin was an eight. Northwestern's an eight playing Vandy, and yeah. uh, Michigan State's a nine playing Miami. It's yeah, it's not going to be easy. Although this is the kind of year where Izzo will now make it to the Elite Eight. They'll beat Miami. They'll I mean, beat Kansas. They'll, you know, yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and and I even thought you know I've been kind of, kind of waiting for them all year to make a run, and they haven't done it. And you know, prior to the field coming out, I even thought you know well. How far am I going to pick Michigan State? I think only the second round because of having to play Kansas. But, you know, Kansas has had some notable flameouts in the tournament under Bill Self. Now, they've won a title, too. They've been to a couple other Final Fours, I think. Um, you know, several times they've been, as a high seed, bounced on their first weekend. It wouldn't shock me if it happened again. 
As an ASU fan, since I know we play Kansas next year, I would like Kansas to go on a run this year. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I, and I think they're good enough, too. I mean, uh, you know, they're they're on the, to me, I think there's maybe, you know, seven to ten teams that I could pick to win the whole thing. They're certainly one of them. Well, let's talk briefly about the three, uh, leave USC aside, but the three Pac-12 teams that got the high seeds. Yeah. Oregon in the Midwest plays Iona, and then the winner of Creighton, Rhode Island, if they advance. Both those games are in yeah. Sacramento, which I do like that, you know, your region doesn't really apply until right. the Sweet 16. Um, right. I think that, I think Oregon's got a really good chance to get out into the Sweet 16 with that matchup where they will likely face Louisville. Um, yeah, I would think so, too. Uh, you know, now the, the Boucher injury is a tough break for them. They, you know, they played okay last night without him, but obviously, you know, he's, he's a big part of what they do. And, uh, you know, you, you hope they can adjust quickly because not having him is, is a big loss. Yeah. Um, you know, we touched on the path for UCLA and, mm-hmm. you know, the big talking point for the South region has been the number of national titles between UNC, right. UCLA and Kentucky. But like you said, you know, even if UCLA can, all, who is also in Sacramento, can get through Kent State and Cincinnati, then they're looking at a date with Kentucky or even Wichita State, which yeah. is not promising Which would either. be tough. Agreed, yeah, yeah. I mean, their their path is, is challenging. Uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think to the Sweet 16, not that difficult, although Cincinnati could give them a tough time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, playing either Kentucky or Wichita and then probably playing Carolina, kind of, yeah, I don't see that can take Carolina. I mean, Butler could give them a bit of a tough time, you know, beating Villanova twice this year. Uh, but uh, you know, to me, Carolina looks like they got a relatively good at the Elite Eight. Yeah, and then out west, I feel like Arizona's got a pretty easy path to the Elite Eight. Uh, I think they did too. Now I'm biased, obviously, and you know, rooting against them. But yeah, I saw that come up, and and uh, I thought they're. Their bottom half of the draw is real soft. I mean, I you know they get Salt Lake City games against uh, in a two fifteen, and then the winner of St. Mary's VCU. And I will tell you, I I'm curious to see how VCU's defense plays and how teams respond at altitude. Um, true, because if they are yeah. really if they are really that you know active in a high altitude yeah. environment, they could pose all kinds of problems for St. Mary's and Arizona. Yeah, they could. They could. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I saw St. Mary's name pop up and, you know, my first thought was, oh, you know, OK, they, they got a shot. But it, it worries me that they were pretty badly beaten by Gonzaga all three times. Like they're, they're a really good team, but I'm not sure if they can beat. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, it's going to be. 15, 25 range. Anybody them? It is. Clearly better than them, you know. Gonzaga handled them all three times. The makes me wonder if they can really tough set there. It's definitely going to be tough for uh, for St. Mary's to get out past VCU and then obviously past Arizona. Yeah, I would say do not sleep on Maryland and Mellow Trimble though. That you know, I maybe I'm too old school that I think your point guard matters in the tournament, but oh, I agree. I think point guard definitely matter. Uh, Maryland and State. Xavier, really, and look at all three of those teams. Those are all teams that fall into that. I felt better for about January than I do now. Um, I mean, Maryland, I believe, was up in the top ten one point this year. 
definitely was. Uh, and, and I just think they have played well. I watched some Florida State Notre Dame in the ACC semis, and they looked apart. I mean, they, they got, they go 10, 12 deep, big athletes who can run the floor, and, and you think, you know, you watch them for five minutes and think, man, this team's tough to beat. And then you watch them for 20 and you think, no, they're not that tough to beat. You, feel, you know, like they just, there's something that's not quite there with them, uh, you know, that just seems off. Something certainly seems off, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they get beat by Florida Gulf Coast. You know, that's a that's a good team. That another team that you know, number one seed in their conference tournament, won their conference tournament, comes in on a roll. Yeah, I mean, I think that even though it's in Orlando, I'm right now my initial inclination is to take Maryland to get out to San Jose to face Arizona. Yeah, I think I would take Maryland over Xavier. Xavier had some injuries that that, you know, really derailed them that, you know, they're a team you can kind of figure out why they fell off because they were a team that was, you know, a top 25, really good team. And then they just had some killer injuries that knocked them off the path. And they almost ended up missing the tournament. They had to win a couple games in the big East tournament to, you know, to probably be safe. Um, but yeah, you know, I probably will take them just cause I'm not sold on Florida state. They've got NBA talent. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they've got guys who will go in the first round of the, of the draft, but they just uh, haven't played as well in the last, you know, five, six weeks. Well, and that, it's funny. The logic behind that and what you said about Xavier is why, I, if I'm an Oregon fan, I feel good because I think Creighton is a lot like Xavier. You, you see why yes. they fell off. You see why they're yes. stumbling. But I don't know if they can fix it. I'm, I'm not sure they can. I agree. And I, I, agree. I would they, not I mean, sleep on Rhode Island. No, agreed with Danny uh, Danny Hurley. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think Rhode Island could pull that upset and and could potentially make it difficult on Oregon too. They're I mean they're rolling. They got through the conference tournament. Always, you know, sometimes we, we make the mistake of reading too much into conference tournaments. But I always like teams that are you know peaking at the right time, especially given the parity that we talk about. The fact that I'm not sure there's that much difference between a three seed and a ten seed sometimes. So being a team that's playing well right now over a team that played its best in December and January. And I think we can see where you're going with that 10-seed comment in Wichita and how, yes. how it could yeah. all shake out. Yeah. Their, their particular uh, are the one that jumps off at me, yeah. Well, we will go through pick by pick, round by round tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if it looks like a winning bracket for one of us. Probably yeah. not. It's probably going to go to Greg, and then we'll have to figure out a way to talk to Greg. But uh, hopefully one of us who sit here every week to tell you guys something about sports could actually right. be okay. I might also fill out a chalk bracket and see if I lose to the chalk bracket. Cause I th- it's not a bad idea. I did that a few years back. I just picked, uh, I picked you know, 100% by seeds, and, and I can't remember which year it was. But I ended up doing, I think, better with that than picking upset. It's it's always hard. You know, there's gonna be upsets, but sometimes you feel like just just pick conventional wisdom, and you know, over the course of the tournament, that might work out well for you. Yeah, the law of large numbers. There's a reason yeah. why these teams are yeah. seated higher. Yeah, so. well, and I, and I do think uh, you know we we talked about it earlier, but I think you know at the end of the year, you can kind of look and see that there's there's that seven to ten teams that seem better than everybody else. So you know, if you if you pick a seed. I think you're going to be okay at the end because I think you're going to see, you know, mostly ones and twos in the Elite Eight, uh, giving giving away my leanings a little. 
Uh, I'm picking some early upsets, but I don't see a lot of the top dogs getting knocked off, uh, you know, before the Sweet 16 at the, the earliest. Yeah, well, I will, you know, I will take Arizona to go far because I, I hedge, I do the emotional hedge every year. And yeah, um, yeah. So I, I will. I'll, I'll try to be objective as much as I can. I, I think I'm going to probably have them to the Elite Eight again just because I, I'm, I'm struggling right now to talk myself into anybody else you know, in that region. Um, I agree with you about point guard. That's one of the reasons I'm very high on Kentucky because of the Aaron Fox, uh, you know, Villanova, obviously, you know, that they got the good guards under the number one seat. So tough to, tough to say that's an off the radar pick, but uh, you got a good point guard, you got a chance. Um, but it's just tough for me to pick anybody else but Arizona right now. But I, I might talk myself into it by tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll see. Well, tomorrow night we'll be back, so listen to this. Get in on the bracket, ESPN Tournament Challenge, Ben and Matt's Bracketology, Password Podcast. Until tomorrow, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.